time is running out. They really need to work on a, on a strategy. They need to work on a plan that works. We, you know, we get more of uh, news to uh, stay put than to be told that you're going to be evacuated. This is not, this is not comforting at all because we don't know if we're going to make it out. Lord God, protect that lady and her friends on this day that you, God, have made for us as an opportunity for us to rejoice, even as Daniel rejoiced in captivity, even as Joseph rejoiced in captivity. These are amongst our responsibilities in these times in which we find ourselves, because God has decided we'll live in these times. Um, excited to welcome a gentleman who's become a friend of mine. Michael Rourke joins us. Mike is retired Special Forces, runs uh, an organization called AOC Security. Uh, Mike, welcome back to the Todd Herman Show. Thanks, Todd. Good to be with you again. Um, Mike, I, I never know what to put in your guys' bios because I never know what's secret or not. So can, can you, you, Special Forces retired, but can you tell people what you did within the realm that you can talk about? Um, yes, uh, for the last 19 of my uh, almost 24 years on active duty, uh, I was a Special Forces soldier. Um, part of that, I was a uh, weapons sergeant, and part of that, I was the uh, what we call MOS 18 Fox, which is the uh, uh, intel sergeant on a uh, Special Forces ODA, or um, 18. So you have some training, I think, that would become that would be very helpful in these circumstances. And I wanted to ask you just just as a just as a, a military guy, what you think about when when you watched, and I assume you watched um, Joe Biden walk away to this question. I guarantee every American will be out before the troops leave. And that was Joe Biden showing his back to those reporters. His spokesmouth, Jen Psaki, has said, no one's stranded. Um, Michael Rourke, are people stranded in Afghanistan? Well, imagine if, uh, uh, let's use Seattle as an example. Uh, imagine if you're in Ballard and you need to get to the Seattle-Tacoma airport in order to get out and get to somewhere safe. And between you and the airport, Every police officer and, and and part of the population is trying to stop you from getting there. Um, I would say you were stranded. And would you would you see this now? You as an individual, and I want to talk about the special forces community and the military community as a whole because I, I know you, you, everybody's a unique human being, but there are cultural norms. Mike, when you see the president refuse to say we're going to get everybody out um, and, and, and then not even be cognizant of how many Americans are actually there, uh, uh, we'll get to tactics and techniques and all that stuff. But how do you feel when you see that stuff? Um, I, I think it's it's not sending the, uh, the right message. Um, I think, you know, people may be reassured that the American military is doing everything they can to get people out and – I want to give a shout out to the people who are on the ground in Kabul trying to do just that. They are they, they are doing a heroic effort, um, regardless of what the uh, politicians and leadership in Washington have done to let the people over there down. Um, as far as the military over there, I think it's going to be one of their finest hours doing everything they can to, to get as many people out as possible. That makes me happy to hear. What's the proper way to go about exiting something like this um the military you guys have codes for everything what's the proper way to get folks out and to get equipment out and so that the taliban doesn't capture things like biometrics which we'll talk about what's the proper method um well one is you know for people to have safe passage to the airport you know that's obviously the easiest way um hearing mixed reports about you know 
whether the Americans are being allowed through or not. And then even if they get through the checkpoints, you have that mass of people, you know, outside the airport that, that are trying to get out themselves. Um, so there are a couple of different ways to, to go around that. Uh, one, which um, I hear is being done, is they're, they're getting groups of Americans to assemble in other areas, and then they're going out with helicopters, getting them and bringing them back. That, that's kind of a you know sensitive operation, and I'm I'm glad we don't have the uh, cameras over there at the airport, you know, videoing every helicopter that goes in and out. Um, the other way is uh, through uh, uh, smaller groups, sometimes even individuals moving through designated areas. And I, I got to tread lightly on this; it's kind of a sensitive subject. But basically, moving from point to point until they can get to a place of safety or a place where they can be recovered. There are people, uh, mostly it's uh, folks that are, you know, previous military, but some active duty are also using their connections to try to make contact with folks that they worked with in Afghanistan to try to help move them to safer areas. Um, in fact, uh, when this thing first kicked off, I was contacted by somebody who had someone over in Afghanistan and they wanted to try to get them out and, I was trying to connect them with the folks who were doing that. Fortunately, they were able to get out on their own using uh, using their connections with a NATO country. But yeah, this is definitely going on, and it's international efforts, not just Americans. There there are people uh, uh, throughout the coalition who are working to get their people that they've worked with uh, out of the country. If special forces was allowed unfettered let's say, tactical responsibility, strategic responsibility, if they were allowed to do what they know how to do, what would that look like? Or what would would have been different if they weren't just, I, I get the feeling they were just handed this thing of, it, it feels like it was done in reverse, like a mechanic, you know, replacing your engine before he investigates your car. Given your guys' training and background, what would be different if that wasn't the case? Well, I think some of the things that are going on right now are some of the things that we that uh, we would have done in another situation. Uh, I'm, I'm convinced that there are things happening out there that weren't allowed to happen when this uh, whole crisis kicked off. Um, at the beginning, I heard there was some tension between the American uh, Special Forces community over there on the ground and the uh, with the British and French who were already going out and getting people. Um, I think some of the uh, some of the restrictions have been lifted, even though it's not being talked about. Um, I, I think just the messaging coming out of Washington has been pretty poor on that. But um, I'm, I'm convinced that we uh, that folks are out there doing what they can to get folks out. And uh, I know we have the assets on the ground over there that can do that. Mike, when this equipment is left behind, um, I, I, we see it, and I'm aghast. I see, well, for instance, the Black Hawk. And I don't mean to say the Taliban are stupid people. I, I mean, I'll ask you, are are the Taliban stupid people? Um, no. I mean, they're sitting in Kabul right now, aren't they? they um, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, that, you know, I don't think that, uh, you know, I'm, and I've seen video of uh, some Taliban taking, uh, taking like, joyride flights in uh, in helicopters. But, uh, you know, I'm sure that we would have pulled the uh, sensitive communications equipment out. Um, you know, obviously some stuff's being left intact. It, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of work to destroy a lot of equipment. Um, I, yeah. I don't think they're going to have anything of real strategic value left. But, yeah, it's not going to be uh, – it's not a happy day to see them riding around in, in, the, in the gear you used over there. And when they have that gear 
and they now have like more black hop helicopters than a lot of countries. Um, is that a fundraising thing? Because this, to me, the Taliban now gets to say, hey, look what we did. If you give us more money, here's what we can do. So um, I want to, in fact, let's go early to traffic, Alex. I want to ask you about the value of propaganda, Mike, and the value of using this as propaganda uh, for the Taliban. I also want to talk about the biometrics that they have. And if you'll entertain it, I'd like to talk about the idea I had, and Brian Suits spanked me on this, that, hey, since special operators and in, in active retired military are using their skills to go rogue in this way, in a humanitarian mission, are we under any risk of people deciding to go, let's say, take out Antifa? Michael Rorker's with us, retired special forces, runs um, an outfit, as Joe Biden would say, an outfit uh, called AOC Security. Mike, uh, what is the propaganda value in terms of fundraising and recruitment for what uh, I think Joe Biden has handed the Taliban uh, with this? Well, especially for recruitment, the uh, propaganda value is quite high. I mean, you're able to, you know, you show people pictures and, and video of things that have actually happened, and, uh, you know, it's hard to refute that. The um, As far as the fundraising goes, I think most of our fundraising is going to come from uh, uh, other state actors who uh, who are working against us. But as far as, you know, re- recruitment or inspiring uh, uh, jihadists in other countries, yeah, propaganda, propaganda value is very high. Do you think that there is money going from the State Department to the Taliban to try to forestall, say, an attack on the airport? Because uh, I don't know how I don't know how well fortified the airport is. Obviously, the very best fighting people in the world are there. I have all the trust in the world. And you've already said this is going to be perhaps their most heroic hour. And and I just I thank them. But do you think that the State Department is is handing money uh, to the Taliban? I don't think the State Department is. That's an interesting. I'll, I'll just to say let that, that hang. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting statement. So you don't want to speculate, but you think maybe someone might be handing him money, someone from the United States. It's uh, it, it's very possible. Huh. Okay, that's an I interesting mean, way to say. What 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 high level government official was just in Kabul? Oh. Yeah, was that uh, it wasn't Kamala because she went to Vietnam after laughing about this. It wasn't Joe Biden. Um, are you talking about uh, Lloyd Austin? I'm talking about the CIA director. Ah, okay. All right. So we will let that hang. Let's not talk about the agency. Yep. That's that's usually bad luck. Um, Mike, in terms of this this biometrics devices that the Taliban has captured. Uh, am I correct in understanding that if they also have the database, that they can use this to go house to house, capturing people either as, as high value hostage targets or to kill for propaganda value or just for revenge? Yeah, having access to the database, it would be a very bad thing because um, when those devices are used in the field, um, you know, take someone's biometrics like, you know, basically an iris scan. And then you can use that to query a database and, and, and find out that person's already enrolled. Uh, a lot of the people who are enrolled in the biometrics will be people that were encountered on the battlefield. You know, be a lot of bad guys, but also anyone that was working uh, with the coalition uh, will be in there as well. So, the uh, ha- having the biometric devices is not a good thing. Having access to the database is a very bad thing. And so the people who may be in that database, Mike, uh, Michael Rorker's with us, retired Special Forces, um, AOC Securities, his company. 
I read, Mike, this horrific uh, account of a gentleman who had worn this country's uniform. And that was something that your colleague and, and our mutual friend Brian Suits made clear. Interpreters wear the uniform of this country, and they do that at incredible risk to themselves. And Brian had characterized most interpreters as true believers in America and in the freedoms that we hope to one day fully have again in the country. But I read this this incredibly terrible uh, account of he was taken from his home. They uh, melted his Department of Defense security ID into his chest. They hung him up and cut his arms off and then forced him to watch as most of his family was murdered. However, they spared his 10-year-old girl to be given to Taliban leadership. Um, th- that that happened to this man and this family, and now God help this little girl. So for people who, Jen Saki says, aren't stranded but somehow can't make it to the airport, is it possible to disappear into that society um, in Afghanistan to protect yourself even for a short time? There's certainly a chance, uh, especially in Kabul. You know, it's a pretty large city. Other parts of the country might be more difficult. If these are uh, uh, obviously someone that had that worked with the coalition, and if they've determined that they can't make it to the airport or find another way out, they probably need to destroy or at least uh, somehow conceal their documents that they said uh, – that that proves they worked with the coalition. You know, they have a better way of blending in then. Um, you have uh, American citizens who were born in Afghanistan. You know, they have U.S. passports. They might have a better chance of, uh, you know, of, of being spared because, after all, this is the more moderate Taliban now. The, um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's uh, – Yeah, like more moderate. But, yeah, they, they, they definitely have a challenge. Yeah. Um, if you had to advise someone – and you were in contact with them through WhatsApp or, or whatever. And they said to you, Mike, what do I do? Like, I can't. I've made 10 tries to get to the airport. The Taliban has made, you know, three sweeps of our neighborhood. I think they know I'm here. W- what would you in, in, advise if, let's say, that they're um, a, an Afghan national um, who's been working with us? What would you advise them? Um, one, get, get rid of the telephone that uh, the cell phone that had any contact with Americans and get another one. But uh, have those have those contact numbers at least saved somewhere where you can use them, and then try to make contact with one of the groups that's helping to get people out. Like uh, there's one called Task Force Dunkirk um, that's that's working uh, with people. I think the people on the ground over there and people internationally that are trying to get people to safe areas. And yeah. sometimes it's not the airport. Sometimes it's an overland border crossing. Wow! <laughs> wow! Um, Mike, uh, this I was set straight on this yesterday by our mutual friend Brian Suits, who did two tours in Iraq. Um, I I I have such admiration for the restraint of people like you who know how to kill people and break things, and to do much more than that um, for not using those skills against. Like I watch Antifa a year in a row try to just try to murder police officers in a federal courthouse and burn it down. And I watch cops shot at the behest of Black Lives Matter Incorporated. To me, these are terror activities. To me, they they trace right back to Maoist tactics. Is there any risk of of military members as a whole saying, hey, you know what, let's go clean house. Let's go to let's go to Portland and let's clean this all up. Is, is there any risk of that happening? There's a uh, million miles of difference between helping people get out of a uh, out of a war zone who are you know at risk of losing their lives uh, to uh, going and hunting down your fellow Americans. I don't see it happening. Uh, I think our military folks, our veterans, are smart enough to know 
that that that's a losing proposition. You're, you're not going to accomplish anything by doing by visiting violence upon your fellow Americans. And the smartest way to go about countering that is through nonviolent methods. Does it appear to you that, like, for instance, um, Antifa and 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 I, I make a strong separation. Obviously, you know this between black people and a Marxist group called Black Lives Matter Incorporated. Do you think Antifa and Black Lives Matter, the people who are are operating that and leading that, do you think they want to see that sort of violent response? I think it would play right into their hands because the uh, if you have someone, you know, particularly military veterans going out there and and, and harming fellow Americans. That that's a, a propaganda coup that you know you, you couldn't pay for. Yeah. The um, you know the press would come out against it, the government would come out against it. Um, most of you know most Americans would come out against it. So it, it's a total losing proposition. Um, having in, in special forces, you know, we study insurgencies, you know how, how they're made, what makes them tick, and propaganda, political victories um, are you know basically the things they pray for. Uh, Michael Roker is with us, AOC Security. We've got about a minute and a half left. Uh, it, so uh, to the degree that you can talk about it, um, you're in front of an audience that's nationwide. What what does AOC Security do in, in ways that you can talk about that maybe there's someone listening who needs you, Mike? Well, um, AOC stands for Advanced Operational Concepts. So we're using those, we've been using those three initials for 12 years. Uh, so I'd say we we had them we had them out in the public eye first, um, regardless of uh, anyone else you might have heard using those same initials. Um, yeah, let's not confuse that. Yes, <laughs> um, but uh, we we help companies um, and uh, private individuals uh, with uh, you know security issues that they might have around the world. We provide uh, training for uh, for executives and high net worth people that might be going into areas where. Uh, doing business could be a little dicey where their intellectual property and business <laughs> secrets are at risk. Yeah. And uh, and we can, we kind of work in that realm. Plus, we, you know, we still also help train, you know, America's finest special operators. We have a small part in that. Uh, I'm, I'm just touched to hear you send um, love and kudos to, uh, to Kabul and, and remind us that these guys and men and women over there are doing absolutely everything they can and that this might be their finest hour. Um, I'm constantly just honored to talk with guys like you. I'm, I'm honored that um, that I feel like we become friends. And just thank you so much for what you do and continue to do, Mike. And thanks for sharing your wisdom with us today on the Todd Herman Show. Uh, thanks for having me on again, Todd. Yeah, I appreciate it. That's uh, my friend Mike, AOC Security. Todd Herman Show will continue with your text messages and emails after we check traffic with Right Way Traffic. 